Um, and so as I wrap up my time here and uh, just have some different, I guess, topics, so to speak, but just things that, that I see in, in the world, that I see in society, uh, that I keep hearing from different pastors and just kind of want to just in, leave you with these encouragements. Um, they're not they're not rebukes, they're encouragements. And so uh, the message today, I, I titled it Walking in Truth and Love, a message from Second John. Second uh, John is all of 12, 13 verses. Uh, it's not a very long letter. Um, and so this is just kind of the message of of Second John. And so I'm going to read it to you. And then I just want to give you a little bit of background about what was going on um, so that this makes sense. Um, but I think I, I think it will. I, I know it will make sense. But so 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 John's writing this to a church. Uh, he says the elder to the elect lady and elect lady is always a reference for a church. It's not we don't know specifically if it was one church or if it was multiple churches, but he's writing to this to a church and they're they're members of the church. So he says the elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth and not only I, but also all who know the truth. So, again, just a reminder that John's like, I love you because we're together in this together with truth. And anyone who knows the truth and knows Christ is also going to agree with me because the truth that abides in us will be with us forever. And so this this theme of truth is huge in this letter because they were battling false teachers. Grace, mercy and peace will be with us from God, the father, from Jesus Christ, the father, son and truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we were commanded by the father. Now, I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one who have found, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandments, just as we've heard them from the beginning, so that we should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch yourself so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but you may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not know, does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both father and son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I'd rather use paper and ink. I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so our joy might be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. And so at this point in time, John's life, this is at the end of John's life. He most likely was in Ephesus when this was written. We know that's where John spent the end of his life was serving as a bishop in the church of Ephesus. So he is most likely writing from the church of Ephesus to a sister church Again, maybe was potentially more than one church. It could have been the churches of Asia Minor like Peter did. We don't know for sure because he doesn't say. Um, but we know that he was writing to the church, a church or the churches. And they were struggling with false teaching. As are we in America. And so there's this problem is false teaching. And so these antichrists, basically anything that's against Christ, anything that's against the truth, these deceivers were coming into the churches and they were twisting truth. They were distorting truth and people were following it and people were supporting it and people were giving money to it. Um, because, again, remember, early church leaders, when they came into a town or early people, they would come into a town. They would generally stay in a host. They would stay with a family. Generally, if you were like an elder or a pastor, you would stay in the church's home. 
People would support you. Some, some people worked like Paul. Some guys didn't. And you'd be supported and you'd stay there. What was happening in this particular church is they had listened to a false teacher. They were supporting the false teacher. They were going by his teachings and they were supporting him. And so John is rebuking that. He's rebuking that. And so we know, again, that this was written to a church or potentially maybe more than one to the congregation of that church. We know it was somewhere in the area of Ephesus because, again, this was a sister church. There were some connections um, and that um, essentially John spent his latter years of ministry ministering to the churches that were talked about in Revelations two and three. And so John would have written Revelations before this. He was on the island of Patmos before this. He wrote Revelation. He heard that warning from Christ about these seven churches. And he began to see some of that going on, you know, here just 50 years after Christ. And so he spent his last 10 to 15 years of life after being on exile, ministering to the churches mentioned in Revelations. Not those seven specifically, but as well as other churches that would have fit into those categories. And so... um, He's he's that is what this letter is all about. And so this letter ties into first John. I wish we had time to teach through first John and we don't. Um, And and so this letter is just a direct reference to a lot that was going on in first John. But essentially, it's this walking in truth and love. Um, And so the other thing that we have to understand is hospitality in Jesus's day was like everything. Like when you walked into a home, when you walked into a town, there was no hostels, there was no hotels, there was no Airbnbs. You stayed with people, right? And one writer actually called it the, the holy Internet of its day was these people that walked around and teach and taught. And so a lot of time they would teach, they would bring letters from people like John. They would bring greetings from other people. There's so many different letters we don't have in the Bible. I mean, there are just hundreds and hundreds of letters we have in church history that were written as encouragements, as, you know, just saying great job, good job. I mean, we have what the guys in the early church put together, but there are so many more. And so these men, people like Silas and Timothy and others, they'd walk around and deliver these letters. It was literally the Internet of its day. The Internet was people talking face to face, sharing letters that Peter and John and these apostles had written, encouraging and staying connected as a church. So the Holy Internet in one scholar was these people that personally delivered letters. And so hospitality was huge. When you entered a town, you man, you had to know somebody. And so if you didn't know anyone, then you'd start essentially playing the Mennonite game, right? You know, that's what they do. They go to town. Well, oh, yeah, I know Billy Bob. Yeah, he and I used to work on boats together in Tarshish. And yeah, my niece married his cousin. And oh, yeah, great. Yeah, why don't you come stay at my house? Like, that's kind of how it worked. And so you would stay at people's homes. And so people in the church would want to stay with people in the church. Like-mindedness. And so hospitality was the number one thing of its day. It was huge in the church. Early church was huge in Roman culture. Um, you didn't you didn't find anyone left out on the street. People were given a place very similar to what if you guys remember all the way back in the Old Testament, when the visitors came into Sodom and Gomorrah and lots like, look, come into my home like this town is corrupt. This town is evil. I don't want you hanging out in it. They're going to try to do immoral things with you. Come into my home. I'm going to protect you. And in fact, the angel ended up protecting lot from the town. So so hospitality was huge. Um, I, I think we've kind of lost that in this day and age. We've lost hospitality. Uh, we tend to be not as hospitable. Like we tend to think 
Is this person legit? Are they trying to get something? What is, what's their agenda? What's it all about? Um, but hospitality in this day would have been common even for strangers. So we tend to be hospitable to people we know. Like we're very kind and courteous to people we know. But we don't always have hospitality to strangers. Now, sometimes we do. Um, but in this day and age, hospitality would have been for everything. This was really, really hard for me personally because West Africa still functions like this. If you come into town, you stay in someone's home, you eat their food, and everyone is just caring. They, they take care of people, even if it's a complete stranger. Um, that's not the way I was raised. That's not the American in me. The American in me wants to vet them, figure out what's going on, what's their agenda, what are they after. Um, I'm not sure I want you in my home. Are you going to steal something? Like, I, I'm a pessimist. I, I assume the worst in people. And so I really had to learn that. And it was always drove me nuts because Pastor Jibby is the most hospitable person I've ever met. He at any time he has at least two to three extra people living with him. But then he never has any food. So then he's always like, Mike, I need food. I'm like, stop feeding everybody. But I'm also recognizing, no, that's exactly what he should have been doing. That's what the Bible tells us to do. He was being hospital. He was taking care of people. He was providing beds. He was feeding everyone. And so my wife would Tuckley grab on my arm and go, no, he should be doing that. Let's give them some rice. Because I'd be like, well, stop feeding the whole village. So anyway, so again, just, just that, those things I, I struggled with. And so hospitality was huge, especially among even strangers. Um, and that's kind of foreign to us. We don't, we don't really recognize that. And so essentially, that's exactly what John is like struggling with. These strangers are coming into town, coming into this town, this church, wherever it was. Because again, remember, churches were in homes. There, were no, there was no church buildings. Every church was in a home. And there might be two, three, four, five, ten home churches in that town. Because some towns and villages were pretty big. I mean, some were cities. So everything was in a home. It was all the home setting. And so these, these people were coming under the name of Christ. They were being welcomed with hospitality by the church, invited into the homes. Well, then, of course, if you're invited into the home, what do you do? Well, you share when the church gets together. It's the same thing for any of you who have ever been on a mission trip. You go on a mission trip and you make you stand up at the church and you generally have to say your name and who you are and where you're from. And generally, the oldest person of the group, they want to give a message. So like whenever we went over to Cattell, they always wanted Willard to give a message. Why? Because he has the most white hair, so therefore he must be the wisest person. So they'd be like, do you have a message from us from your church in, in Missouri? Do you have a message? And Willard would be like, no. I don't. That's Mike's job. Um, and that's very common when you when you travel still in, in places in South America and Southeast uh, Southeast Asia and Africa. If you're a visitor, you should be prepared to speak. Marvin read the verse in Sunday school this morning from some second Timothy. Be prepared in all occasion and out of occasion to give a message. That's a common practice in the church of the world, like the, world, the, the church as a whole, globally, not necessarily here in America, but globally, if you show up somewhere and you're a visitor and you're a Christian, they expect you to give a message. So I've learned to always have a message in my head ready to go because I've preached in Poland. I've preached in Honduras. I've preached in Gambia. I've preached in Senegal. I've preached in Guinea. South. anytime I go and visit a church, I don't get to sit down and enjoy it. I generally have to give a message because that's who I am. I'm a pastor who so give a message. So that's what's happening. These people are showing up. These false teachers, they're showing up. They're coming into the church. They have a message to give, but yet their message is false. It's not true. It's not biblical. Now, granted, remember, they didn't have this together. They didn't have this yet. 
They, they, they did not have this to run back to. So everything they had, they had letters, they had copies of letters, they had, you know, Romans and Corinthians and these different letters. But man, they had to memorize them. They had to study them because they did not, they could not run home and open this and go, did Mike tell us the truth this morning or is he a, a little liar? You know, they, they didn't have this to check. So they had to memorize scripture. And so these false, these deceivers, came into town looking good, playing the part, and were beginning to deceive and send the church astray. And it's happening all across America. It's not any different. And, I've, and I'm not going to go into this story, but I've told you the story of the guy who did that and could tell. He came in, he looked good, he smelled good, he played the part, and it was a couple months in, we figured out he was a deceiver. And we told him to get out. We told him he wasn't welcome there. We told him, look, this is not, you're, you're not teaching truth. And he did, and he left. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Tell someone that, that they were a deceiver and they weren't welcome there. But I know I, I knew I needed to do it because otherwise he was going to lead these young believers astray. So the guy probably hates me to this day, but I did what was biblically asked of me. And so these people are coming into town and they've got a good story, but it's not a Christ story. It's not the truth. And so my encouragement to us this morning, as we walk through verses 4 through 11, that we, first off, make sure we know what this says. We need to memorize it, man. We need to know what this says, in and out. We need to be prepared to share in every situation. And we need to watch out for these false deceivers because they're everywhere. And that's exactly what this, this when, I, when I said a month ago, this is what I was going to do, then on Wednesday when I had that peer group, that Zoom group, and these guys talked about all this deceiving going on in these churches in Ohio and Indiana and Spain and Kentucky and all these places these guys represented, I'm like, okay, then I'm on the right track. And they talked about that they're battling in these churches this exact same thing, these deceivers coming in and teaching something that's not true. Last, yesterday we were driving home, uh, we spent a couple days in Springfield for Lydia's Soccer Nationals. Um, she came in fourth, by the way, out of four. <laughs> Sorry. It's been a rough year. That's right. So as we were as we were driving home, I had completely forgotten this, but Zane started talking to, to us. And Zane doesn't talk a lot. So when Zane does talk, I tend to listen uh, because he's, he's the thinker of the family. And generally when Zane says something, there's there's wisdom in it. Um, he just doesn't talk a lot. I don't know if that's because he's the baby or the fifth one or what. But but anyway, um, and he started talking about this this church he visited in VBS probably two years ago because there was no VBS last year. And in this setting, it was being taught by a student. I don't know if the student heard it from the church. I don't know if he heard it from mom and dad. I don't know where he heard it. But he was basically in this VBS setting. The student was teaching the little small group there that there was no hell. Right here in Harrisonville, guys. Right here in Harrisonville. Now, I, I could not tell you what church it was because that summer he went to a couple different VBSs with friends. I have no idea. So please don't go up there and try to figure out what it was. But my point is, at VBS, this young kid leading this small group, and I don't know like, if there was an accountability, I don't know if he's just a, a peer, but he was basically telling every kid in that group, there's no hell because a loving God would never do that. Okay, for an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid to say that, he heard it somewhere. Nine-year-olds don't come up with that on their own. So somewhere he heard, either in his home, in his church, that there's no hell because a loving God would never do that. A God would never punish people. Everyone makes it to heaven. That's right here in our own backyard. 
So for us to say, oh, it's not our problem, that's a New York problem, that's an East Coast, that's a West Coast. No, it's here. Man, talk to Cameron and Jillian sometimes about the things going on at Sherwood. Actively. It's here. Talk to Jesse about the things that were going on at Harrisonville. Now, granted, she's been out for a year, so it probably got even worse. But it's here. This false teaching, this society, this nationalism, this, this culture you can do whatever you want is here. It is around us each and every day. And whether we homeschool or not, our kids are being exposed to it. At VBSs, on sports fields, in classrooms, no matter what, it is there. And anyone that has a device, and mine in my office turned off. Because last week it kept going off and I forgot to put it away. But anyone that has a device, it's right there. It's everywhere. And it's deceiving. Two weeks ago, the kids were, came home and they were talking about this, this rumor that got spread about Coke. So I like looked it up. It wasn't even true. But there was a rumor on the internet that you shouldn't drink Coke because Coke said this, this, and this, and this. Well, Coke did say what they said at a four-hour seminar to their employees about social justice. And somebody took a snapshot on, sna- on whatever that stupid thing is, Snapchat, and posted this all over the Internet and said, this is on Coke cans, you should never drink Coke. No, it was said in the seminar. The reality is, none of us were in that four-hour seminar. None of us knew what all was said before or after. We have no idea what was said. Maybe it was bad, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't there. But because someone had a phone and posted this, then everyone was saying you should no longer drink Coke because this is what Coke believes. And that's just one example. That, that is all around us. You shouldn't do this because this is what this believes. You shouldn't do this. But yet we don't, we don't always know the whole story. There are deceivers out there trying to deceive us. And that's exactly what John is concerned about. Now, I'm not telling you you shouldn't drink Coke or not drink Coke. I don't care. Because I have come to the fact that no matter what you purchase, no matter what you do, somewhere along the line, we're probably supporting the enemy. I mean, it has gotten impossible to not in some way or form. So you're just going to have to live with that decision. And frankly, if you like Pepsi, then drink Pepsi. If you like Coke, drink Coke. Because, it, it, I mean, no matter what you do, somebody somewhere supports something. So unless you go off the grid and make all of your own food and support all of your own self and create all of your own energy and live literally as the Amish, who, how they used to live, not how they live today, you're not going to be able to get away with it. It's just the world we live in. And that's just my opinion. So I'm not trying to put Coke down or put Pepsi or anything. My point is there are deceivers out there and they are meant to deceive. And so that's what John's talking about. So he says, look, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as they were commanded by the father. So at this church, John is recognizing there are people walking in truth. The early church, the early testaments, they never called it church. It actually wasn't called church. So all these guys were dead. They were called Christ followers. It was called the way or it was called the truth. I love that. I, call me old school, but I would love to get away from the, the concept of the word church. Because church now means everything. Every false religion out there uses that term. And I love that these early guys called it the way or the truth. Because Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only truth. So I personally like that. I'm not saying you should change your name. I'm just saying I like that. And he says, so children are walking the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. So John is going, look, 
I know there are people in your congregation, in your little house church, in your group who are walking in truth, just as Jesus, just as the father commanded us to do. He says, but I ask you, dear lady, I ask you. And that word ask is, is not actually the word ask. It, it, it's it's literally the word arota, which is a command. So in the word Greek, it's I arota you, dear lady. In other words, I command you, church. I command you, dear lady. Not as though I was writing a new commandment, but the one you've had from the beginning, that we love one another. And so John is playing on the Old Testament, right? Because he knows his readers, if they're Jewish, know the Torah. They know the law. They've memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You could not get out of Jewish school without memorizing those five books. It didn't matter if you were a boy or girl. By the time you were eight years old, you went to Jewish school until you were at least eight and you memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Every boy and Jewish girl did. Now, Gentiles didn't, but every Jewish person did. They memorized the Torah. You could not graduate without memorizing the Torah. So he says that we love one another. Well, what's he talking about? What's he talking about love one another? Well, he's talking about Deuteronomy, right? Deuteronomy, I I believe it's chapter 10. I wrote it down somewhere in my notes, but I can't even read my own notes. That's bad. Sad. Uh, I believe it's Deuteronomy 10. Yeah, it is Deuteronomy 10. Phew, I thought so. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, he says, Now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. And so John, when he says, look, I'm not writing this like a new commandment, but the one we had from the beginning, that we love one another, Right? And that's exactly what happens here in Deuteronomy. So, so John is playing on the fact this is not something new. Right? Nothing is new under the sun. He said, this is the command that we've already known. He said, so first off, we've got to love one another. Why do we have to love one another? Because if we're going to gently rebuke in the church, if we're going to gently correct, if we're going to gently discipline or disciple or any of the above, there's got, it's got to be done in love, not condemnation, not shouting. And so he says, and this is the love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you heard from the beginning, so that you would walk in it. So he's reminding them. So Jesus came and basically restated the law. And when Jesus, when Jesus, Jesus literally quoted this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard it said, and he goes, but I say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but love your enemy or love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus took this, he quoted it, and then he added in loving the neighbor, Right? Well, the neighbor could, we've talked about this in the last few weeks, the neighbor could be defined as someone you know, someone you don't know, a stranger, an ally, a friend. It could be all of that. Neighbor was literally people. And so John knows, John gets it. He goes, okay, so you're loving these people. You're bringing them into your home because hospitality is huge. And you've got to be hot. If you weren't hospitable in this time period, you were just a bum. Like if you were the house that never gave bread, that never let anyone in, you were the talk of the town. You were the bum. Like, no one would want anything to do with you if you weren't hospitable. Like, it was huge in their culture. Sadly, I might have been the bum in tell. I was not very hospitable. It was not my spiritual gift. My, it was my wife's, but not mine. And so, 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 so John's recognizing this. He's like, okay, you're doing exactly what it tells. He goes, but I'm reminding you, what is this commandment? 
He's triggered on those strings. What did it say in Deuteronomy? What did Jesus say? This is not a new commandment. Jesus didn't make this up. We were given this from the Father originally in the Torah, on the Ten Commandments. When, Jesus, when Moses gave everything out, this was something that was said, right? He's reminding them that Jesus didn't make this up. This wasn't new. This was from the beginning. Just as you've heard from the beginning so that you may walk in it. So he's reminding them to, have, to know the truth. What was the truth? What were you asked of? To love one another. So the truth was, love the Lord your God with all your soul, might, and heart, right? You've got to love God with everything. You've got to love the congregation. You've got to love the people so that you can be the people, so you can be the church. And so, so he's reminding them of that. And then he goes into the main problem. Verse 7, for many deceivers have gone out into this world. Many deceivers have gone out into this world. You know, we keep we keep talking about we, we're waiting for that one Antichrist. There are hundreds of Antichrists all around us. You know, the term Antichrist that, that is used in Scripture is literally anyone against God. Anyone against God is the definition of an Antichrist. So, I mean, we could just start naming people. We're not going to do that. Yes, we are waiting for that ultimate, that last Antichrist that Jude talks about. The one who will lead the world and, we, and revelations begins. But the reality is there have been Antichrists every season, every day, every year, every period. And they're around us right now. And sadly, some of them are pastors working in churches. They are deceivers and they have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. So if you're in a church, so first off, right off the bat, if you're in a church or you're in a home group or a house church or whatever you attend, and they don't believe in Jesus, get up and walk out the door. It's that simple. If you walk into a place and they do not believe Jesus was the Son of God, they do not believe He came, they do not believe He died, and they don't believe He's coming again because He was just a prophet, He was just this, He was just a man, just literally get up and go. Leave. Be rude. Be rude. I'm not joking. These deceivers are out there and they're sucking in the church and they're sucking in people. And John's like, look, if they don't even confess Jesus, why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting your time? Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. So if you have served something, if you've been at a church where they do not believe Jesus is coming again, they do not believe the Son of God, then by definition, that place you were in, that church you were in, was an antichrist. And they're all around us. Any religion that teaches something other than Christ, that Christ is the Son of God and He's coming again, that is by definition antichrist. And the sad thing is, we all have family members who are, who are, who are in that category, right? We have family members who deny Christ. We have family members attending churches that by definition, by the definition of not Mike, of Scripture, they're attending an antichrist's place. Such one is a deceiver and an antichrist. So if you have a family member who's a Jehovah Witness, an Islamic, a Buddhist, they're antichrist. They're against Christ. They're against him coming again. They're attending something that is against Christ. That's a deceiver. They're leading people astray. And the New Testament was pretty harsh on that stuff. And yet we've kind of just let it all go. Ah, whatever you believe. Whatever you believe. Lydia visited a college. I was so proud of her in this moment. 
She visited this college and she was talking to the girls. It was supposedly a Christian school. I'm not going to say its name. I'm trying to be nice. Um, but she was just asking about that. And the girls literally looked at her and said, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? It's OK. We don't judge here. Christian school. Karen talks to the coach. Hey, do you do a devotion with the Lord or with the girls? Do you do? Devo-? No, I'm not into all that. Whatever they want to do is fine. I just let them believe what they want to believe. I mean, you might as well send your kid to a public school for that matter. The world is full of deceit. And thankfully, Lydia came home and said, I want nothing to do with that place. She says, if they don't believe in Jesus, if, if that's their attitude, I want nothing to do with that place. And she, she, I mean, she didn't even consider it. And they were offering her a ton of money. Way more money than Huntington is. And I was like, you know what? I'll pay more money for college for you to stand up for what's right. I'm, I'm okay with that. The deceivers, they've gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Christ, they're deceivers, they're antichrist. So he says, what? In verse 8, watch yourself so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but you may win your full reward. Now remember, he's talking to the church. So when he says this, watch yourself, he's not saying you're going to lose your salvation, but he is warning the church. He's warning leadership in the church. If you're not careful, you're going to lose the people in your congregation. You're going to lose those seekers. You're going to lose those people whose faith is weak and they're going to follow this deceiver because it looks good and it smells good and it tastes good and they're going to get sucked in. He's like, you've got to watch. I mean, and for us personally, too. And with the both and. He's like, watch yourself that you're not deceived. Know what you believe. Do we know what we believe? I would argue that a lot of people in the church don't know what they believe. I had this conversation in Sunday school with Bob this morning, and I, I said, I don't think people know that. He kind of looked at me like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. And there are so many people that attend church week in and week out, and they have no idea what they believe. I know so many people that attend church week in and week out and don't even bring this thing to church. They don't even bring God's word. They don't even bring the Bible. I know so many people that attend churches and the pastor doesn't even open the Bible. It's just a bunch of quotes on the screen and some fun videos. Maybe a cool picture. I'm, there's nothing wrong with using illustrations. I'm just not good at it. I pick really dumb ones, right? But man, if you're attending a church and this is never opened, people don't know it, people don't study it, why are you there? Why would you waste your time and consider to be there? And that's essentially what John is saying. He's saying, watch out. Watch yourselves. You've worked hard for what you have. You've worked hard for your faith. Why would you throw it away? Why would you watch people lose something? And he goes on. Again, he's just being harsh. He's just stating it as it is. He says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Like, That means the same in Latin, Greek, Hebrew, everything. If you don't abide in Christ, you don't have God. We talk about this all the time, especially when it comes to funerals. Man, they were a really good person. Okay. By whose definition? Who's defining good person? Us, the world, or Christ? Like, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but guys, it's just this simple. If they don't abide in Christ, they don't have God. 
Like it's a black and white principle of the Bible that we've compromised in the church today. I don't think we've compromised it here at Sycamore, but I pray that we never do. Because it is creeping into the American church left and right. There are guys who get up on Sunday mornings and say, you don't have to believe in Christ. Everyone's going to make it to heaven. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're a good person. It's being preached from pulpit after pulpit after pulpit. And scriptures is clear. If you don't abide in teachings of Christ, or if you don't obey Christ, you don't listen to Christ, you don't, we just sang a song, trust and obey. If you do not trust and obey, if you do not abide in the teachings of Christ, then God is not in you. In other words, where's your fruit? Call a spade a spade. What's a rotten apple? John is like, if, if they're not teaching the truth, that these false teachers, these deceivers come amongst you and they're not teaching Christ, they don't know Jesus. And whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So the person who's willing to teach the Scriptures, the person that's willing to teach what the truth is, they both have the Father and the Son in them because the Holy Spirit's in them. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three in one. So therefore, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. So John is essentially telling him to be countercultural. Look, if someone comes to you and they're not teaching truth and they don't have God and they're not teaching the principles of Jesus, the principles of truth, the principles that we have, have died for, that people have been martyred for, why in the world would you let them into your home? Why in the world would you give them any greeting? Now, I know that sounds weird in 2021 because again that's why i wanted to explain the hospitality part right sure if they come to town they want to stay in a hotel great you want to have coffee with them and like witness to them and talk to them great but he's saying if they are not teaching the truth you wouldn't let them into your home why because the home was the church so you don't let them into the home you don't let them preach to the house congregation you don't feed them you don't take care of them you don't give them money for their ministry because that's all part of coming into the home in this time period if you came into the home you would have met with the church group you would have taught you would have been fed and they would have given you a little stipend or something as you left that's why i wanted to explain what that looked like what that meant he's john's like why would you do that if you openly know someone is against god do not receive them or give them a greeting. He says, forever who greets them takes part in his wicked works. That gets tricky, right? I mean, I know different people now that won't shop certain places because of this verse. And I get that. Again, I said earlier, I don't know that you can get away with that. But man, if you know something is openly evil, then maybe you shouldn't support it. If you know something you're giving money to is openly for a mission agency of a false teaching, maybe we shouldn't give money to it. Again, we're, each one of us will have to wrestle with that. But John is clear. He's like, you don't even let these false teachers in. You don't receive them into your house, nor is your church. You don't give them a greeting, which would be that brotherly kiss, that brotherly greeting. And by no means would you participate in their work. Why would you participate in spreading the work of Satan? Again, if you know what you know. Now, again, that's going to happen to us because so many people are out there. So many deceivers are out there. So many people give money to different things. We're never going to know. But man, if you do know, if you know, like when people came to our house in Kittel and they wanted money to go to a chore, we said no. Because what were they going to do with the chore? They were going to sacrifice wine and animals to the witch doctor and to the pagan gods. So we always said, no, there's no way we're giving you money to go to that. We knew what they were going to do. 
Now, when they deceived us and said, hey, I need money because I don't have any food or I need money for my kids' classes, we gave them some money. We found out they used it. I felt free of that. They deceived me and they used the money for something else I didn't know about. But if I openly knew what they were going to use the money for and to go participate in pagan activity, then no, I didn't give them the money. So as I read that and as I studied that this week, I really started asking my question, man, like when we go to concerts, when we go to activities, should we? Like, I haven't been to a non-Christian concert in a long, long time. Just because I, in my life, needed Christian music. I need it in my life. But I just thought, just, it's just one simple example. Tom Brady's open that his wife is a witch. I mean, he's open about it. He says, my wife is a witch, and she does a ceremony before every game. So should we buy a Tom Brady jersey? Now, most of you won't because you hate Tom Brady, Right? But we should be loving him and we should be praying for him. He needs Jesus. Beyonce openly admits that a demonic person takes over her body before a concert. She goes by a different name. Someone possesses her. Should we go to a Beyonce concert? Should we be giving money to her who's practicing in witchcraft? Again, there are some people who are very open about it and there's some people that aren't. But just think about that. I'm not trying to throw your life upside down, but John's like, don't entertain these people. Don't let the deceivers in. Don't give them a foothold. Don't give them a greeting. Don't protect, don't participate in their wicked works. It's that whole living in the world, but not of the world. And it gets really complicated when we take it seriously. And I don't have all the answers. I don't. Because you know where I get my answer from? It's him. 90% of the time when I come across something like this, I just pray. Or Karen will be like, let's pray. We pray and we listen to the Holy Spirit. We pray and we listen to the Holy Spirit. Because unfortunately, there's no book of the Bible that says, do this, 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 this. I mean, some of that's there. But I have no idea if I should shop at Target or Walmart. I have no idea if I should drink Coke or Pepsi. I don't know if I should buy GMC or Ford. I mean, these, these answers are not in the Bible. And I'm not saying they should be. But I think we need to take it seriously what we're participating in because the deceivers are everywhere. And if you're questioning it, then pray. Listen to the Holy Spirit. What is he telling you to do? If he's saying, you know what, you need to give up your rap hip hop music because of these evilness, then give it up. And if he's not, then don't. But listen to the Holy Spirit. And that's essentially what John is reminding them. Be aware. Be on watch. Watch out for deceivers. They've gone out into the world. They're everywhere. They're all around us. They're deceiving the church. There's books and books and books in Christian bookstores full of deceiving words. There are podcasts out there full of deceiving words. And we need to be aware. And we need to be on guard. And we need to be teaching our young people in this church the truth. And we're only going to teach that if we stick to this. Right? And again, any book we read, man, anytime I read a book, I don't care if it's Francis Chan or David Platt, I have this open. Just because they have a reputation of good doesn't mean they won't be seduced by the dark side of the force. Sorry. Had to get that in there. Because it's happened. Right? It happened with Rob Bell. It happened with Tony Evans. It happens day and day and day. Guys start off legit and they go crazy. So I don't care who writes a book. 
I respect those two guys so far, but man, if I have a book, I have my Bible open. I'm reading what they're saying. I'm reading against scripture. I'm reading the verses they use. I test everything by the spirit, which is what John said in first John and third John. And it says in Jude, test everything by the spirit. We have to do that. And it takes a lot, a lot of work. Christianity is not easy and it's not for the faint of heart. It takes work because the deceivers are really good at what they do. And John is begging us, the church, to be aware and be watchful. And after listening to everything I listened to Wednesday morning for that two-hour pastor group and just the, the heartache in those pastors and the heartache that even Darren is facing in the conference and what's going on across America, I'm begging us to heed this warning. Especially as you begin to look for a new pastor, heed this warning. There are deceivers out there, and some of them live in our community. Don't just throw this out with the bathwater. Don't just think, oh, this was just something the early church dealt with. Man, this is active and living and an issue we deal with each and every day. And if someone starts talking about something opposite than Christ, then say, you know what? Thanks for your time, but there's the door. We're not interested. I got my job in Pennsylvania because of that very situation. There was an, a candidate that put on a good show, and the church was about to hire this candidate, and somebody just felt like they needed to get on MySpace. I'm really aging myself there. I don't even know that MySpace is still around. But they got on it, and they just saw what this person was participating in outside of church life. And they questioned the person, and the meeting, from what I understand, was intense, like yelling, screaming, and the person's like, how dare you go look, look at what I do? That's my privacy. That's my rights. And the person that brought it up was an elder. He goes, yeah, but we're asking you to teach our kids. So how dare you lie to us? And the person was asked to leave, and it was, again, pretty nasty. And then they picked up the phone and called me. And they're like, hey, we just, we just had this terrible interview, and we're not going that route. And I hadn't heard from this church in like six months. And they're like, are you still interested? I was like, you still know my name? Like what? And we had this amazing conversation. And because someone stood up for the right and watched out for a deceiver, it gave me an opportunity to serve in Pennsylvania, which just opened so many doors for our life. The door to come here, the door to go overseas. None of that would have happened if we hadn't gone to PA. I'm here today because someone stood up against the deceiver Back in 2007. I don't forget that kind of stuff. And again, I had to do it in Africa. I had to do it in Katel. And it's hard. And it's not fun. And you will get called everything under the sun. But it's worth standing up for truth. And I knew I had loving brothers around me that agreed with me as we did that. So watch out for the deceivers because they have gone into the world. And I think we need to stop thinking of the Antichrist as that one final Antichrist. He is there. We need to be aware of that. Don't get rid of that. But remember that anyone against God, anyone teaching falseness is an Antichrist. And they're all around us. And that's what John was begging of either this church or these churches in about 70 to 80 A.D. Just 50, 60 years after Christ died. This was an issue, and it hasn't stopped. It hasn't changed. Lord, I thank you so much that you've given us these, these nuggets of wisdom and truth. Lord, I pray that we can heed the warnings 
Lord, we can listen to the warnings in your scripture. Lord, that we'll just have an awareness and watch for deceivers, and that we'll know what you say, that we'll know your word. Lord, help us to be aware. God, help, give us a boldness to step out and, and talk against Antichrist. God, give us a boldness to witness to them, to love them in spite of who they are. And also give us a, a boldness to just have nothing to do with them when we need to walk away and shake the dust off our feet like you told the apostles when they didn't receive your message, shake the dust off your feet. Lord, give us that same boldness. That message has not, not changed. In your precious name we pray. Amen.